Good morning, good morning. Uh, good to see you all. The youth are not excused. They're stuck with us today. And uh, before we begin, we have a couple of pre-service announcements, as we love to have. Uh, uh, we're going to have Arjun come up. She's going to share a little bit about, uh, she's uh, the lead servant of the Arrows group. No, a point person of the Arrows group. That's what they are. Goodness, get my title right. Uh, that's the most that we've ever had. So in the previous years, we had about 40, low 40. So we had 68. Um, the youth group produced 33 boxes, and the church families produced 35. Um, so that's pretty much like an 87.5% success rate. So participation rate, I should say. Um, so December 16th is a distribution uh, volunteer opportunity for you guys for the Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we have 40 spots that we reserved, and right now we are, we're at 20. So if you guys want to volunteer, uh, just let me know today, because whatever spots that we don't fill up, we're going to release back to, um, to the distribution site. So it's December 16th. It is from 5 to 10 p.m. Uh, you have to be 13 and older, and they do want one adult, adult for every four children that participates. So just let me know today. Thank you. All right, all right. All right, so uh, some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, that's really cool. Almost 90% of our church filled out, bo- I think, uh, completed boxes. That was one of our challenges, to see how much we could do. And so great job, church, doing that. Um, and let, let's finish it off by filling those 40 spots. Let's not release any of those back. Let's get down to that warehouse. That's like actually going in the warehouse, taking all the boxes from all the churches, packing them on the pallets, and get them ready to go on the planes to go out to this kind of stuff. And so that's a pretty exciting kind of thing. I know it's a few hours, but uh, that, that is for our adults because it's not for children. So if, if you're uh, uh, looking for a, a way to serve, we're trying to do about two. So we're not going to overwhelm uh, our adult congregation about two a year where we're doing something all together, and this Christmas child is one of them. Um, Last week, as promised, we uh, had voted for new LB members. We're going to invite them up and we're going to pray for them uh, and sort of install them today because uh, uh, Mark wasn't here last week, and so we didn't want to make Diane go on by herself. So (laughs) you had to come. If you guys, uh, Diane, uh, I saw you guys earlier, and Mark, can you come come on up here? We're going to just pray for them, you guys. This is uh, two of our new LB members starting uh, today is their first meeting day. All right. And so... You've trusted uh, your, uh, our church into these hands here, so what a blessing. So would you pray uh, with me for them? Uh, let's just ask for God's uh, amazing power in their life. Father, we just want to thank you for people who would be willing to step up and lead your church, to vision cast for your church, to dream about where you want Jer- Jericho Road to be in, in the next two years, and the next ten years, God. I just pray for uh, these two amazing servants, amazing people in you. God, would you give them wisdom that doesn't start in their own heart, but starts in your heart, God. Give them wisdom. uh, Speak to them through your spirit so that their words would be your words. Their ideas would be your ideas. And we trust them completely to you. The enemy would love to tear them down as they've taken this responsibility. We pray over their spiritual lives that you would strengthen it in the middle of difficulty, that they would be empowered by your spirit to live right and to lead well. Thank you, God, for bring in these two amazing people to help lead our church. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Welcome them. All right, so pretty good stuff. So a lot of uh, really cool stuff uh, going on. Um, We're in this series uh, called Heart Medicine, and we're uh, trying to figure out how to get our hearts right with God. Our key verse that we are looking at is coming from Proverbs 4.23. And it says, above all else, guard your heart. 
Because everything that you do, it comes from there. It flows out of it. I'm going to add another piece today to our key. And that's Proverbs 10.8. A wise person in their heart, they accept commands. But a chattering fool comes to ruin. And so this is to say, sometimes we've been to church a lot and we hear a lot. But a wise person accepts what God's saying. Brings it into their heart. And a, a foolish person just talks, 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 and never allows it to enter into their heart. And so uh, I'm reminded that we need to be remembering to listen to God's Word very carefully. Last week, we were talking about how to stay connected to God as, as the first key of our heart's health. And we're going to look at three more ways for our heart to really be healthy in the next three weeks. Today, uh, we're looking at a healthy heart is, a, is a, a heart that's at peace, a heart that doesn't have stress, that's not full of worry, And the following two weeks, we're going to dive into a heart full of gratitude and a heart that's righteous. And together, these four things, they really help our heart function as God wants our hearts to function, to help us get a a healthy heart and then to keep it. Just as your, like, physical heart is critical to your well-being, to enjoy a full life, a healthy spiritual heart is critical to living well on this planet. Your heart's your command center. The verse says, everything you do and say comes from it. The path that you choose in life is from your heart. So we better learn how to guard it, just like the Bible tells us. And so today we're going to see the importance of maintaining a worry-free, uncluttered-by-stress heart. I said last week that the heart is like the, the bridge of Star Trek, right? So which command center, which heart, do you think looks more ready here on the board? This one. Does that look ready? Or this one? All right. This one. Or this one. (laughs) So which command center? Clearly, one looks better than the other, right? One is healthier than the other in these. He starts, in case you're like new generation or old generation, I got a little bit of both for all of you. And if you're not that nerdy, try it. You might like it, you know. <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's pretty cheap. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, like, which one is ready? We've got to have our hearts ready. We've got to have it tight, everyone set, everyone ready. Not all destroyed looking. That's not going to be a good command center. So if your heart is all destroyed from all sorts of things in life, whether it was a disconnect we were talking about last week, or whether you're just destroyed because of the worries of life, the stresses, the pressures, the things that are going on, We've got to look at what the remedy is. What's the heart medicine for a person whose heart is anxious or worried or stressed? We're going to see five things today, five thoughts, five ideas, five medications that you can take that will help your heart be healthy in terms of this idea of not being full of stress. Because that's where we're going today. So here's five things that we can do or think about, five things that we can take into our lives that will help us have a healthier heart. The first is that we have to be able to cast our anxieties, our stress, our worries onto God. There's this really cool scripture that's so totally complicated. Sometimes the Bible's hard, but sometimes the Bible's really easy. Here it is. Cast your cares on Him. <laughs> that's not overly complicated, right? That seems pretty simple. Cast your anxiety on Him. Why? Because He cares about you. And the Him here is God. Cast your worries on God because He cares about you. The word cast here is, is to throw upon, to take something and throw it upon someone or just on something. Your burden is being thrown onto the shoulders of God rather than you carrying it yourself. Worries are kind of like uh, 
a yo-yo ball. You know the difference between a yo-yo and a yo-yo ball? A yo-yo takes like talent and skill and it doesn't always come back, right? But have you ever seen those yo-yo balls? I had one as a kid. Like it's, it's on a string and you throw it and it automatically comes back. It's like on a, like, and you can't mess it up. You throw it that way, it comes back. You throw it over here, you can't. And I always had that one because I can't do the yo-yo. So I had the yo-yo ball. No matter what you do, it always comes back to your hand. You can't stop it unless you throw it and your brother grabs it like my brother tends to. It's, told you he destroyed my other toys. So he grabs it and pulls it. Then it doesn't return because he's holding on to it, right? But our spiritual lives, uh, our, our worry is like that. You try, how many people have ever tried to take their worry and just throw it away from you? What happens? You go, okay, I'm not going to worry about this thing. Boom. I threw it off. In about four minutes, you're sitting there in your bed or you're driving or you're cooking or you're doing whatever, and that worry returns right back. Boom. It yo-yo balls you, right? It checks you up. You're like, I thought I got rid of that. If ever you've tried to just throw it back, it doesn't, I mean, I throw it away, it always comes back. That's why we need this idea of cast our burdens upon someone. You see, so when we take our burdens and we throw them on Jesus, Jesus holds them so that we're not able to grab them back, so they don't rebound right back toward us. Because think about how many times have you tried to just get rid of worries on your own, and it didn't work. How many times have you said to yourself, I'm just not going to stress about this, and what are you doing 10 minutes later? (laughs) Biting your nails, worrying, planning, thinking? We need Jesus to catch our worries and prevent them from returning. Right now, I'd like you to take a journey, like into the center of yourself. I know this is kind of weird, but if you could take a moment just trying to figure out where you are, right? You have your hair, you have your life, you have this kind of stuff. The Bible talks about your heart. We're really talking about your inner person. And I don't know if you've accessed your inner person lately. So the way that you do it is you follow the trail of your own mind's thoughts, right? So I'm talking in here. Some of you are sleeping in there. Some of you are like, what is going on right now in there? I, I can't hear you, but God hears you. The center of who you are is where all of that's coming from. And I want you to take a journey right now to the center of you. Let's take a minute here in service and think about, as you go into the center of your heart, what are some of the things that are bringing you worry? What are some things that are in there that bring you stress? What are some things that maybe they're beyond your control? Maybe they're in your control, but they're still bringing you stress. What are some things in your life? Are there any? Just go there for a minute. Now, I want you to imagine that worry. I want you to grab that thing, and I want you to throw it on the cross. You know, just throw it up here. I want you to actually, like, it's okay to even move your hands to do this. I know we don't ever move in our church, but, but it's okay to do that. Just go ahead and grab that worry and say, you know what? I don't want this worry anymore. I don't want to hold it anymore. And the Bible's saying that I can cast my worries upon God, and that God cares about me, and He's going to take them so they don't rebound back upon me. Go ahead and take that opportunity if you dare. Take that thing that you're holding in your heart that you've been stressing about. Maybe it's, oh, the finances, how am I going to get this done? Or maybe it's like finals are coming up. Or maybe it's grades or college or whatever it is. Go ahead and throw that on the cross. Just throw it up on Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus died so you could live free. So that those Worries won't rebound back on you. Not enslaved or chained by sin or doubt. Not, not overwhelmed by worry, but free as we cast those upon God. And we can do it because He cares about you. Cast the weight of your worries onto Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't want you carrying around that excess weight. 
Y'all try to carry it on your own. We try to buck up and do it, just handle our business and take care of our lives and just shoulder the burden ourselves. God doesn't want you carrying all that extra weight. When I go see the doctor, he inevitably says the same words to me every time I visit. I, would, I don't even know why I visit because he says the same thing to me. He always says, well, Sam, you could really afford to lose 15 to 20 pounds. I'm like, yeah, well, you could afford to. Never mind. But he always says the same thing. He says, you're carrying around too much weight. But why? Does he care about my beautiful figure? He's interested in my six-pack developing? No. He doesn't care about those things. Why does he do that? Because he cares about my heart's health. He knows carrying around 20 extra pounds in my particular frame isn't healthy for my heart. And God says the same thing. Carrying around that extra weight is not healthy for your heart. We're talking about a metaphor here, a spiritual reality. Carrying around those extra weights is not good for your command center. It causes you to look like second picture that we kept seeing, not first picture. The really cool about, thing about this is I would love to go to my doctor and say, here you go, here's my 20 pounds. Doctor, you take that. And he could lipo that right out of there. But I can't. But with my worry in my heart, I can. And immediately the change happens. The moment I cast it upon God, He takes it, and I don't have to worry about it, and I immediately feel its effects. I immediately feel transformed and changed and at peace inside. And God's standing right there encouraging me. May the Lord Christ Jesus Himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us an eternal encouragement and good hope, may He encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every deed and word. Now, the commas always jack me up. So, so what this is saying here is, uh, may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father. So let's skip the comma part and go after it, because what it's saying here is, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, skip our commas, is going to encourage your heart. The Lord Jesus Himself, God our Father Himself, not by proxy or someone else, God Himself says, look, you know what I want to do right now? I want to walk right down this aisle, and I want to come and I want to encourage you. Not Pastor Sam or Apostle Paul. But the God of the universe says, I want to walk right next to you right now, and I want to encourage your hearts. You don't need to worry because I'm going to walk right up to you. I am real and personal. We don't have a God that is distant and far away. He is one who says, I will personally walk up to you. And I will encourage your heart. And that's really powerful. Whenever worry starts to creep into our lives, into our hearts, be reminded that Jesus Christ himself is standing right there. He says, I want to encourage you. I'm not going to leave it to somebody else. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to walk right next to you when you don't feel like you can handle it. I am right there with you. And as he does that, it's going to fill you with his presence. It pushes out worry, not because you do something, but because when you know the God of the universe is right by your side and Jesus himself says, I will encourage your heart, and it pushes out worry. My daughter, she uh, sometimes uh, often gets upset at night and she cries, but not because anything bad is happening or not because of a bad dream. Sometimes she cries, well, not sometimes, oftentimes she cries because she's worried about sleeping. 
Well, she's worried about not being able to sleep. And what if I'm not able to sleep? And, and what happens if, Dad, Daddy, what happens if I, if I can't sleep? I, say, I don't know. Just, like, shut your eyes some more and rest or whatever. So she's worried about not going to sleep. She's worried about why she can't sleep. She's worried about if other people go to sleep before her. And I don't have any answers for this kind of stuff. And so what we started to say, you know what, you know what, sweetie, what you need to do is you need to replace your worry with worship. And so my daughter and I, we've been saying that a lot. Replace worry with worship. Understand that the God of the universe comes right next to you. And you don't have to worry. You just worship him. You just sit in his presence. When we turn to God, he's the one who will supernaturally, inexplicably encourage you at the very core of who you are so that you don't need to worry. And it works for my daughter, who's 10. But it works for me, who's not 10. It's the same sort of thing. We've got to know that Jesus is right next to us. So cast our cares on him. Be encouraged by him. Understand that we have something big in this world. Well, outside of this world. It's called hope. And this is really interesting because hope showed up last week too. We had hope uh, helps our connection to God. And we're going to see it. Now, you're not going to actually see the word hope here, but you're going to have to figure out that that's what this verse means. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He's anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So here's the second week in the rope that we've seen hope, and and hope is this. Look, hope showed up to build connections, but hope actually drives out worry. Hope in what awaits us. It will always mitigate our worries. Our future has a guarantee, and that guarantee is from God. We have something that's waiting for us. Like if you have invited Christ Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, God guarantees an outcome. See, not me, not your good works, not the things that you're doing, not whether you spill drinks or not. What happens is God guarantees you a position in heaven. He says, and guarantees are only good as the one guarantee, guarantor, right? Like one time I bought a lifetime pager policy. Did anyone else buy a lifetime pager policy? It was like $700, and they said, you'll get pages for the rest of your life. In three months, that company went bankrupt. They jacked me. They knew they were going bankrupt, and they still sold it to me. And so that guarantee of a lifetime is only good as long as the company exists, right? And so when the Bible says God guarantees something, the guarantor is God. And so that's a pretty darn good guarantee. Now, there, there's, if you've ever seen Tommy Boy, there's a great line about that. But most of you haven't seen Tommy Boy, so I'm not going to use it. But if ever you watch it, there's a great guarantee line. That's just in case you are really bored in your life. Watch Tommy Boy. But guarantee is only good as a guarantor. And, and God guarantees us something. He guarantees us how this thing will end. He tells you exactly what's in store for you, what is going to happen, what's waiting for you. So why do we worry? Look, if I, if I owe 200 bucks, like 200 bucks is kind of a lot of money. So let's say I owe 200 bucks and it's due tomorrow. But I got no money today. Then that causes me a lot of stress because I don't like to be late for my bills. Uh, I don't have the money. Um, there may be consequences if I don't pay it. My credit goes down. Or maybe if it's a bookie, then he breaks my legs or something like that, right? I, depends on who you're getting your money from or who you owe money to. But if I owe $200 tomorrow, like, it can cause a lot of stress, especially if I don't have that kind of money. But what if I told you I know that I'm going to receive an inheritance of $3 million from my dead uncle Archibald, and I'm going to get that next Saturday? 
then does my worry of $200 even hit the radar at all? No. See, if I know that I'm going to get $3 million, then I don't care about my $200 that's due tomorrow. I just don't, right? If I, I'm getting $3 million, I'll you $200, fine, I'll pay you four. I'll pay you 1000 I don't care. I'm getting $3 million. You see, if you know what's coming in the future and you know that thing covers whatever you've got now going on, then you don't have to worry. And the same is true spiritually. If you know that God has you in the future, that you are going to be His, that you have heaven, you will inherit the kingdom of God more than this universe. This universe is minuscule to God because He is infinite and the finite can never even match up to the infinite. And God says, you get to get all that. And yet I start to stress and worry about right now. Mom, I've been stressing about my C minus. God of the universe has got the universe waiting for me. I don't need to worry about my C minus, right, Mom? Yes, you do. You need to worry about me. (laughs) If we know what's awaiting us, then we don't have to get caught up in the worries of this world. We don't have to worry about things that are going on. We don't have to take all that stress because we know that there's a hope waiting for us. It's all going to work out. But do we live life like we are certain of the outcome? Let me say that again. Do you live your life like you are certain of the outcome, certain of your inheritance, certain of what is coming in just a moment? Or are you living your life like you're uncertain? You live in your life like there's not even a, a hope or an end game here? Are you living your life like you don't know there's an ultimate prize? Are you living just for the now, trying to scramble over crumbs when this feast is waiting in just a minute? trying to fight over pennies when millions of dollars awaits just on Saturday? Are you worried about your handful when truckloads awaits? Believers in Jesus, I'll tell you, you win this thing. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that's a wrap. It doesn't matter what happens here. Why would you worry about it? God tells you what's going to happen. We're overcomers. We're guaranteed And that's by God. That's a heck of a guarantee because it's a heck of a guarantor. The fourth thing in order to help deal with our stress and worry in life is the Bible says to pray about it. This is a really famous passage about that. In fact, it says don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about stuff. But in every situation that you find yourself, no matter what it is, it could be small or big, in all of the situations, just pray about it. And and petition petition means just to, to ask God. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. What that's going to do is guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't say that God's going to solve your problems. What it says is when you've got some worries, give them to God. And what God is going to do, he's going to exchange that worry for peace. Another essential medicine for our heart is prayer. We give to God worries, He gives us peace. Now, we always get a good deal from God. Remember earlier we had seen that when we give God our sin, He gives us His righteousness. We give Him our brokenness, He gives us healing. We give Him our our messed up life, He gives us eternity. So whenever you deal with God, He always does you good. I will deal with God anytime because He always will give me something amazing. When we give Him our worry, He gives us His peace. We give Him garbage, He gives us treasure. When you pray, God is going to provide peace. And I'd love to talk to you about that, but the Bible says I can't. It's actually inexplicable. Inexplicable means you can't explain it. But I'm going to try to because I'm supposed to, as a pastor, explain the unexplainable, right? What the unexplainable means is this. 
it's going to be really confusing to people that look at you from the outside as a believer. So when you pray, God's going to provide this peace, and it will confuse your friends and your coworkers. They're going to wonder, how can you be at peace at a time like this? You just lost your job. How can you be at peace? Doctor just said, you have cancer. How could you possibly be at peace? You got finals this week. How can you be at peace? Your girlfriend just broke up with you. How could you be at peace? They won't understand what's going on. And I can't tell you what it feels like. I can only invite you to experience it. God says, when you give me your worry, your stress, I'll give you my peace. And it won't make any sense because we're talking about something that's supernatural. If you try to tell a non-believer, well, it's just a God thing. And they're like, that doesn't even make sense. That's so dumb. And you're like, well, to you it's dumb, but it's actually a reality for me. And I invite you to come taste it. And you're going to realize that it's not dumb. To the skeptic, it makes sense. Allow God to move your heart. How can you be at peace, they wonder, when the whole world is falling apart? How can you be at peace in the middle of all this craziness? And you say, I'd love to tell you, but I can't. I could tell you where to get it, but I can't tell you how it feels. God will guard your heart in the middle of anything. It's about that supernatural connection. I want to ask a question about your worry before we move past this prayer part. When, when something comes in your life that causes stress or something like a problem comes or things that bring worry, are you the kind of person that, that jumps to planning right away? <laughs> I do, right? I, I plan right away. I, I, plan, I plan for things that I'm not even involved with. Sometimes I, I dream about, like, if I was the mayor of Fullerton, what I would do to deal with the homeless problem. And I'm never going to be the mayor of, homeless, uh, uh, of Fullerton and, and I'm not really overly concerned about the homeless problem, but I'll spend hours of the night thinking about, like, if I was mayor, what would I do? How would I balance the budget? Where do I get budget? Would I beautify? Maybe I'll start an amusement park, you know, like generate revenue, blah, blah, blah. Like, all this kind of stuff. I worry about things that I shouldn't even worry about. I shouldn't even be in my mind. But I always jump to planning. But I think the Bible says, whenever any of those worries show up, don't jump to planning, jump to prayer first. It's okay to plan. The Bible doesn't say don't plan. But I think the priority is to pray before you plan. Before you jump into planning, rest in prayer. Peace comes through your prayer, not through your plan. Not mean that you don't have it, but the peace of God will come through your prayer. Get peace, and then go ahead and make a plan. But put first things first. Be calm. Be stress-free as you make that plan. And the last thing that will really guard our hearts when we come to worry we said casting our cares, knowing that God encourages you, um, praying to God, understanding God's the guarantor. But the last one is a really interesting one, and this is something that we can do. It's kind words. Isn't that weird? Check this proverb out, and it's true in life. Anxiety weighs down your heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Right? Anxiety weighs down your heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And this is a really weird kind of simple thing that we can do and that we can receive. Whenever I'm worried, the thing that I need is a kind word. One of the remedies for worried, one of the medications is that you get kind words coming into your life. 
Now, this really makes a lot of sense to me. If you know anything about the five love languages, words of, uh, words of affirmation is my primary love language. So this proverb makes a lot of sense to me. I'm like, yeah, perfect. I love it. I love kind words, and they really move me. Um, sometimes as a pastor, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes pastors worry too. Like they worry if the congregation likes them. They worry if uh, they're going to continue to pay them. <laughs> you know, they worry if uh, they're going to move on from them. Uh, they worry about what God's doing in the lives of people. And, and sometimes, uh, especially if you're due to pastor, maybe only eight months at your church or so, sometimes, you know, like, am I doing a good job of that kind of stuff? And so I want to read you an email uh, that I got from Pastor Jimmy, who's actually really good at, at delivering this kind of thing. He's really good at delivering kind words. Uh, to help anxious hearts. Now, now, I wasn't overly anxious this week, but, but I have been in the past. I've worried about like, hey, I hope I'm doing a good job. It's hard to know. If I ask you guys, you'll be like, yeah, great. And then like in the back, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I don't know. And so I'm going to read you an email that uh, Pastor Jimmy, it's just a really short one he said, uh, emailed me this week, um, which is kind of funny because I was going to share that Pastor Jimmy is good at this and I didn't have a specific thing. And then like three days ago, he emailed me this and I was like, dude, you're such a genius. Here's how Pastor Jimmy wrote this. He said, last Sunday was really a great start to the series uh, on heart medicine. I shared with the Tuesday men's group the spiritual convictions stirred in me after listening to the sermon on podcast, because he can't be down here, so he listens to it each week on podcast. That comes out usually on Tuesday in case you miss Sunday. He said, I resonated strongly when you shared your concern that we would actually be successful at church without relying on God or the Holy Spirit's help. I'm scared that we will succeed because then we won't need to trust in God. Thank you, Pastor Sam, for sharing God's Word. God is speaking to me through you, and you are an incredible blessing in my life. Man, for me, like, that pushes all worry aside when I get kind words. Man, the Bible is true. This proverb is totally true. If, I, if I'm worried about pastor and then he writes me this week, then I'm like, oh, somebody listened to the message. Praise God. You know, that's really cool. And they were blessed by it. And I think about all the times over the last eight months for me personally that, that you guys have shared kind words. And it has really kept any worry about pastoring this church away. I love pastoring this church. I do, I do not sit at home worried at all about this church. I'm so excited about what God is doing. And I've been so blessed by kind words. We need to recognize the importance of kind words in our lives. And I'd like you to take a second here to review some of your relationships with people. Do you have people who speak kindness into your life? Think about your relation, your actual real relationships. Do you have people that speak kindness into your life? If you do, if the answer is yes, I have people, double down on those people. Spend a little bit more time with them. If you don't have people who speak kindness into your life, you need to find some. You need to get some people who speak kindness into your life. And some of you, you're surrounded people who never speak any kindness into your life. Do you know what you need to do? You need to treat them as missions. You need to pray for them and care for them, but you need, better not connect to them because they are going to cause stress and they're going to cause discomfort. They're going to cause heartache if people are constantly saying negative things and pulling you down and saying hurtful stuff. Don't spend the bulk of your time with them. Only as missions, share the Lord Jesus with them and maybe he'll change their heart but double down on those people that are speaking kindness into your life. I give you full permission to do missions with people that used to be your friends, <laughs> right? I have some friends who I just do missions with now who been, I've been friends with for 30 years because I can't deal with them as a personal friend because they just weigh my heart down. And it doesn't mean I don't love them, but I got to treat them differently. 
Additionally, I'd like you to consider this. God gives you the opportunity to be part of the remedy. He gives you the opportunity today to be a person who speaks kind words into other people. I mean, is that you? No, not my personality. That's God's word. Which wins? Personality. Then you need to pray about that. Back to prayer. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. You have this opportunity to be part of the cure, to help bring healing to hearts that are worried. If you have people that are around you that worry, go ahead and speak kindness into them. Maybe if you're not even sure if they're worried, speak kindness to them. Bless them with your words. So we're going to close with this final verse here. Well, this final really prayer. It's both a summary of what we are talking about today, and then it's an introduction because next week is talking about gratitude and thanksgiving. Check out this verse in Colossians. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule your heart, since as members of one body you're called the peace. And be thankful. Would you join me as we respond to God's word in prayer and worship right now? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys, you know what? You could sit there. That's okay. But you could actually kneel down. I give you permission to kneel down if you want to kneel down. And when we're praying and responding, you could whisper or you could cry out. Whatever you need during this last time. We're going to end with worship and prayer to God between you and Him. This is your time with you and Him to just respond to what you've been hearing. Pray it out. Talk it out. Stand up. Kneel down. It doesn't matter. As we respond to God in this last few minutes of prayer and worship.